love God and love each other. Boy, that's easy to say, but not so much to live out, right? We need to get into this one on today's A Critical Faith podcast. So here is Pastor Landon Wissett, First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, with today's text from Matthew 22, 34 through 46. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered, Jesus asked them this question, What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they said to him, The son of David. And he said to him, How is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Here's what we forget. Jesus was not saying anything new. He, he wasn't. I don't know if you're like me, but as a Christian, I've fallen into the trap over the years of thinking that while other people of faith are absolutely loved by God and that God uses all sorts of religious traditions to connect with people, we Jesus people have a leg up in a few ways, right? Have you, have you ever thought that? I mean, of course, it's natural, right? For me, at least. I, I know Christianity inside and out. I'm a professional Christian, for God's sake. Literally, for God's sake. And, and so it would make sense that I kind of like this thing that we've got going, and I would think it's pretty special, right? And it is. But if we're not careful... We, okay, I, can easily fall into the trap of thinking that we Christians have got the corner on the market of goodness and beauty and truth. And today's passage is one of those places where I often have gotten stuck because, like I said, Jesus wasn't saying anything new. This bit of his about loving God and loving others, that's classically Jewish. Classically Jewish. Rabbis had been saying it literally for years and so when we read in our passage for today from Matthew about some, uh, about some Pharisees coming to test Jesus, test here doesn't mean gotcha. They weren't trying to trip him up. They were literally testing the new kid on the block to see if he knows his stuff, right? Is he even worth engaging? Does he know the most basic thing that a rabbi should know and teach? Rabbi, what's the greatest commandment in all of Torah, they ask, and Jesus isn't even phased because he knows it. Love God, love others. Easy. Done. Next. We Christians like to tell ourselves the story that Jesus came to make religion and a relationship with God easy. I grew up hearing that Jews were overly legalistic. Did you, did you grow up learning that as well? It's not entirely true, and you can imagine my shock when I discovered that. For the Jews of Jesus' day, not to mention our current siblings, the Jews of today, righteousness wasn't actually all that complicated. Yeah, the rabbis argued a lot. Christians theologians argue a lot, though, right? So they argued, but those basic arguments were all about the wide variety of ways that a person could fulfill these two commandments given to every Jew. Love God, love others. And Jesus says, and, and remember, he's not the first person to say this, Jesus says all the law 
and all the prophets hang on these two things. Everything else, everything else is in service of trying to help us love God more fully and love others more completely. And so it's, it's fun to imagine that Jesus was saying something radical, but, but it wasn't. It was actually quite basic, and it was quite standard. It was these basic standard things that Martin Luther was trying to remind us of as well when on October 31st, 1517, he nailed a theological statement to a church door in Germany. We commemorate this act every year on this day, this Reformation Sunday, as a way of reminding ourselves that the theological movement we are a part of is one that seeks to always remind us that our obligations to God and to one another are actually not complicated. Luther believed that the church of his day had strayed far from the basic calling of God. You've heard the details of the Reformation before and his his protest about it, about the indulgences and and all that. But we should never forget that the main theme that came from the Reformation had to do with God's sovereignty and God's sovereign grace. And this grace reminds us that there is nothing anywhere that can impede us from loving God and loving one another. In fact, we might say that the Reformation at its core is a religious tradition ultimately concerned with making it possible for us to better show love. We don't have to follow any strict rules. We don't have to adhere to church attendance. We don't have to believe anything other than Jesus is Lord. If something, anything gets in the way of loving God and loving others, we say we don't have to worry about it. Our only obligations are to love God and love others. But it's funny, isn't it, how we forget this in our day-to-day lives? We, We sometimes, maybe even oftentimes, limit our imaginations in ways that make us think that that spirituality and our Christian faith stops at the walls of our hearts or at the walls of our churches. It's as if we say, we'll listen to the church when it comes to prayer, but when it comes to our daily life, our everyday living, we've got to get guidance from somewhere else. Back in the 40s, a group of Reformation pastors in Germany wrote a document that has become one of our denomination's official theological documents. It's called the Theological Declaration of Barman, and in it, these pastors remind us and the world that there is no corner of life where God is not in charge. All of life, friends, is under God's command. And so in all of life, in every activity, in every choice we make, we Christians have an obligation to try to figure out how we best love God and others. I gotta tell you, as I think about my own life, in light of this very basic, standard, non-radical thing that Jesus was saying, love God, love others, I actually have a lot of questions. <laughs> Let's start with the big one. What are my obligations in regards to the money that I earn? Right? Do I have to give some of it away? How much? To who? Right? Every activity of life, every sphere of life, God's in control. Should I vote for more or less taxes? What kinds of things should I buy? Are there things that I shouldn't buy? 
Where should I live? Where, where the house that I live in, where should I live? Should I buy new clothes or should I try to buy used clothes? That may sound silly, but if every activity is under the purview of God, and I'm supposed to be making all these choices with how best to love God and love others, even things like my clothes, same with a car. Should I be buying a new car or a used car? Do I send my kids to public school or to private school? Should I get a flu shot? Should I wear a mask in public? What kind of job should I get? Is it okay for me to order from Amazon or do I need to buy from local small businesses, right? And and you can probably think of a dozen more questions that we need to ask. And so here's the hard truth about being a Reformation Christian, friends. The goal of loving God and loving others, it's very simple, but boy, it requires a lot of work, doesn't it? It requires diligence and it requires discipline. And and we will make wrong choices, right? In all of those questions and many, many more, we're going to make the wrong choice and we're going to have to go back and we're going to have to change. And oftentimes, at least in my life, we're going to have to apologize, But this is why, I think, as Presbyterians, as Reformation Christians, I think this is why we talk so much about grace. We're going to mess this up. And we shouldn't be surprised. In fact, we should expect it. And when we know better, we do better. I want to leave you today with a prayer from the great Christian saint Thomas Merton. As you seek to love God and love others as fully and as completely as you can, I encourage you to pray this prayer as often as possible. Here's what Merton said. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me, and I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think I'm following your will doesn't mean I'm actually doing so. But I believe the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all I am doing. I hope I never do anything apart from that desire. And I know if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, even though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear. For you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you are looking for a church culture where faith is nurtured, curiosity is encouraged, diversity welcomed, and all are loved, check out and like our Facebook page at First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska.